Amen. Thank you, worship team. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to each one of you. Six-year-old Annie returned home from school one day, and her mother could clearly see that she was very upset. So her mother decided to just ask her, how was school today? She said, it was terrible. I had a terrible day. She said, I nearly died of shame. Her mother thought, well, what happened? She said, well, today we had our family planning class, and we talked about babies. Her mother thought, oh, okay, well, what about babies? How did that go? She said, well, Pete from down the street said that the stork brings babies to their parents. She said, then Sam from across the road says you can buy babies at the orphanage. She said, then Susie from next door said you can buy babies at the hospital. Her mother said, so why would you have nearly died of shame? She said, because mom, how can I tell people that we're so poor that you and dad had to make me yourselves? <laughs> <laughs> if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Genesis chapter 29? And thank you to Maria Jemont who sent me that joke. Thank you for that. Genesis chapter 29. And as you're turning there, in Genesis chapter 27, we read about Isaac, Rebecca, and their two sons who are Esau and Jacob. Well, Jacob, unfortunately, when he got older, did something really bad. He deceived his father and tricked him into giving him the blessing that belonged to the firstborn, which should have been his brother. Esau, his brother, was so angry that Jacob basically stole the blessing from him that he plotted to kill Jacob. Well, when their mother, Rebecca, learned of this, she obviously didn't want her son to kill Jacob, and so she decided to send him away to her brother, Laban, which would have been Jacob's uncle, to send him away to Haran, where Laban would have lived with his family. And so we pick up the story from Genesis chapter 29, and so if you have that, would you turn to it? And if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? Genesis chapter 29, starting from verse 1, says, Then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving in the land of the east. He saw a well in the distance. Three flocks of sheep and goats lay in an open field beside it, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone covered the mouth of the well. It was the custom there to wait for all the flocks to arrive before removing the stone and watering the animals. Afterward, the stone would be placed back over the mouth of the well. Jacob went over to the shepherds and asked, where are you from, my friends? We are from Haran, they answered. Do you know a man there named Laban, the grandson of Nahor? 
he asked. Yes, we do, they replied. Is he doing well, Jacob asked. Yes, he's well, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter Rachel with the flock now. Jacob said, look, it's still broad daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep and goats so they can get back out to pasture? We can't water the animals until all the flocks have arrived, they replied. Then the shepherds moved the stone from the mouth of the well, and we water all the sheep and goats. Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel arrived with her father's flock, for she was a shepherd. And because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well and moved the stone from its mouth and watered his uncle's flock. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. He explained to Rachel that he was her cousin on her father's side, the son of her aunt Rebekah. So Rachel quickly ran and told her father Laban. As soon as Laban heard that his nephew Jacob had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him and brought him home. When Jacob had told him his story, Laban explained, you really are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, you shouldn't work for me without pay, just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob agreed to work for seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but only a few days. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was still dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob raged at Laban. I worked for seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? It's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter instead of the firstborn, Laban replied. But wait until the bridal week is over, then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work for another seven years for me. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave Rachel a servant, Bilhah, to be her maid. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. Then he stayed and worked for Laban for the additional seven years. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can be in your house. 
And indeed, Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture and for all of the lessons that we can learn from Jacob's experience. We pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you. And indeed, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be obedient as your Holy Spirit helps us and leads us, causes us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. So obviously, you can see that this is a story filled with drama. It started with Jacob deceiving his brother Esau and basically having to flee so he wouldn't get killed. He finds himself far away from home in a land that he was not familiar with, with relatives that he needed to stay with that he really had never met and didn't really know. And so he finds himself in this land and he meets his uncle, he meets his cousins, and this is now his new home. So when Jacob realizes he had made it to Haran and found his relatives, he's so happy that the scripture says when he met Rachel and he realized who she was and that he found the family, he wept aloud. Have you ever been so happy that you just cry? right? There are times where you're just so happy that you've accomplished something, you've made it this far, you've gotten through something, and this is basically how Jacob felt. He finally made it and he wept aloud. He was just so happy to be there. So the scripture tells us that he went home to live with Laban and his family, and of course there was a lot of work to be done in living where he lived, and he went and he worked and he helped them. There was a lot of work, and since he was staying with them, he obviously needed to help with the work. And this brings me to my first point this morning. It's, number one, you need to help to contribute to your household, especially if you're living there for free. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> you see, Jacob, <laughs> this morning's going to be really practical, okay? You see, Jacob didn't have any money to offer his uncle and their family in order to stay with them. He didn't have anything that, of material possession to be able to offer. And so what he offered was basically his services. He offered to help work because he was staying with them for free. Too many times people can have the mentality that they don't have to do anything. And you may have come across some people like that in your own life where, you know, you're doing them a favor by letting them stay with you, or maybe their relatives or friends, and they can't even bother to wash their own dishes, right? You see, when we are staying with someone, when we're living somewhere, especially when we're living for free, we need to contribute. Maybe you've been that person <laughs> that you need to start pulling your weight around the house. Make sure that you help contribute to your household in some way. Whether that's by paying the rent or helping pay mortgage, whether that's paying bills or buying groceries, cooking, helping with laundry, helping with chores, shoveling the snow, cutting the grass, you know, doing repairs or maintenance. There is lots to be done. And it's important for all of us to help pull our weight in our household, amen? 
No one should live off of other people for free. They should help to pull their weight. And so maybe you need to help start pulling your weight in your household. Maybe you need to start looking for a job or helping wash the dishes or helping to sweep the floor or helping in some way. Maybe you need to stop encouraging people to stay for at your house and not do anything, but let them start to help. You see, we need to train people in order to get them to do what we need them to do. If they never have to wash a dish, they're not going to make the effort to do that. If they always have their clothes clean and ready on their bed, they're never going to bother to wash them. If they never have to pick up a broom, they'll never pick up a broom. And so you need to contribute to your household even if you're paying rent, contribute in different ways, especially if you're living there for free. And this is especially for teens, young people. Just because you're living at home with your parents doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. You should be eager to help, right? That's right. Those young, strong, strapping boys should not be still sleeping in bed when their mother and father are shoveling the snow outside, right? Come on. <laughs> That's right. Learn to pull your weight around the house and help however you can. Also, as I said, don't allow someone to live off of you for free, even if you're helping them out temporarily. Don't allow people to treat you as their slave or maid and make you do everything for them. Amen? Amen. So there's lots that we can learn from Jacob. He went, he lived with Laban, and he decided, since I'm staying there for free, I have nothing else to offer you, I'm going to do some work. I'm going to help in that way. So after about a month, Laban began to feel bad that Jacob was doing all this work for him for free. So he offered to pay him. In verse 15, it says, Laban said to Jacob, you shouldn't work for me for free without pay, just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. Well, Jacob, instead of asking for money, decides to ask for something else, but we'll get to that in a minute, okay? So Jacob, he is working for Laban for free, and Laban realizes, you know, it's really not fair. He's doing all of this work, and I'm not paying him anything. Point number two that we can learn from this story is don't expect freebies, discounts, or favors from people just because you're related or your friends. Just because you're related or your friends. Have you ever had friends or relatives who expected something from you because that was your line of work, that was your business, that was your skill or trade, or you had some sort of connection? There are too many times where we think because we're related to someone or because we know someone or even, okay, get this, because we've helped them out before that they owe us something. And we need to get that mentality out of our heads. And we need to stop expecting people to give us things for free. Stop expecting them to give us their discounts or do work for us for free or to give us that connection that they have, whatever it may be. You know, it's different if they offer it, okay? 
but especially if they don't offer it, we shouldn't go out of our way to expect that it happens. Or if they've done it once, we shouldn't expect it every time <laughs> for it to happen again. We need to understand that they need to earn a living as well. Laban didn't want to take advantage of Jacob's hard work just because they were relatives. He didn't expect Jacob to work for free, so he offered to pay him. And too many times people can think that because I know them, they should do it for me. And as I said, it's different if they offer. But remember that people need to make a living as well. And it's unfair for us to expect them to use their time their talents, their resources for free without being compensated for it. Amen? Amen. For example, don't expect if your friend or relative is a mechanic to fix your vehicle for free. <laughs> don't expect it. If they offer to do it for free, then that's good. If they offer to do it at a discount, that's great. But don't come and expect it to happen. Another example, if you have a friend who a relative who is a hairdresser or barber, don't expect just because you're related or you're friends that they're going to cut, wash, color, style, blow dry, do all those things for free, <laughs> right? If they offer, it's different, but don't expect it every time, right? It's different if you have an agreement, but don't expect it every time. If your relative or friend works at a specific store, don't expect them to always give you their store discount. It's unfair to expect that. Or if your relative or friend has their own business to do whatever kind of work they do for you for free. It is unfair for us to put that expectation on other people. I read one time, and I can't exactly remember verbatim what it said, but it talked about people respecting other people's trade and paying them what they do deserve. And so it's important for us to stop expecting or don't expect freebies, discounts, or favors from people just because you're related or you're friends. Amen? Value people's time, talents, and resources, and don't take advantage of them. So Laban offered to pay Jacob, but Jacob didn't want money. He had his eyes set on something else. He wanted to marry Rachel. He told her father Laban that he would work for seven years in order to marry his daughter. So understand the connection here. Jacob's mother, who is Rebecca, is Laban's sister, meaning that Laban was Jacob's uncle, making Rachel what? First cousins. Now, obviously today, to marry your first cousin would be frowned upon and is not common, but in some cultures, it is still practiced today. But especially during this time in the Bible, because, of course, the world was still being populated, it was okay, all right? And so these first cousins are, um, Jacob obviously loved her, and Rachel probably felt, you know, similar feelings to him, and he wanted to marry Rachel. It was custom of the day for a man to present what is called a dowry or a substantial gift to the family of his future wife. This was to compensate the family for the loss of the girl. 
And so Jacob needed to give this family a gift for marrying their daughter. But obviously, he didn't have any money. He didn't have any material possessions to give. And so all he could do was offer to work for them for this amount of time. And so that is what he does. He offers to work for seven years instead of giving them some sort of financial money or possessions, he gives them his time and his services. And so brings me to point number three. This was agreed upon for both Laban and Jacob. Honor the agreement you make with someone and don't try to trick them into agreeing with something for your own benefit. Honor the agreement you make with someone or a group of people and don't try to trick them to agreeing to something that will benefit you. So even though both Laban and Jacob both agreed to this, if you work for seven years, you can marry Rachel. That was a clear-cut agreement. Laban had other plans in mind. Jacob clearly loved Rachel and asked to work for her. And then in verse 21, it says this, Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood, prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. And then it talks about how Laban gave Leah a servant, Ziplah, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, he found that it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob raged at Laban? I worked for seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Laban responds, it's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, but wait until the bridal week is over, then we'll give you Rachel too provided you promise to work for another seven years for me. You see, there was a custom of the land that Laban failed to mention to Jacob when they were making this agreement. A custom that Jacob was not so much aware of that the firstborn daughter had to be married off first before the youngest could go. And clearly, because Leah was not married, he wanted Leah to go first. Now, you may wonder why Jacob didn't want Leah. Well, we don't know all of the reasons, but it's said that she didn't necessarily have a sparkle in her eye. And so I'll let you interpret that the way that you would like to. So there wasn't anything really appealing about her. But when it comes to Rachel, we're told she had a lovely figure, a beautiful face. She would have been much more attractive, all right? And so Jacob wanted Rachel, but instead got Leah. So this was Laban's plan all along. Laban obviously knew that this was the custom of the land, but failed to mention it to Jacob in making this agreement. He didn't tell him, but he chose to trick him for his own benefit. By giving Jacob Leah and not Rachel, Laban tricked Jacob into promising another seven years of work, a total of 14 years of labor to marry the one he truly wanted to marry. 
You see, when we make agreements with other people, make sure that you honor your word. Make sure that you honor that agreement. Whatever is agreed upon, you stick to. And don't try to trick people or to put something in that will confuse them to try to do something for your own gain or your own benefit. It is important that we be people who are people of our word. And so honor your agreement with other people. And in talking about this, of course, we also need to be smart and use wisdom. You see, in Bible days, an agreement could have been made verbally, and it was held in high esteem to make a verbal agreement or just with precisely a handshake. But in today's society, especially when it comes to something that is of great importance, it's important that we do our due diligence and if an agreement needs to be made, to do it through the right channels with the right paperwork, with the right documents, a legal document, to make sure that everything is fair, everything that is agreed upon is in there. And so I could want to encourage you, if there is an agreement that needs to be made, do it through the right channels. And get this, okay? Even if it's with your family or friends especially if it's with your family and friends. You see, business is business. <laughs> and you may think, oh, they'll never do that to me. Oh, they'll never do that. Well, when push comes to shove, we know that sometimes it can turn out differently. But we learn that Laban was Jacob's uncle. So they were family, but he still did that to him. And so when it comes to agreements, when it comes to honoring those kind of things, make sure you do it through the right channels, no matter who it's with. Business is business. The Life Application Bible Commentary says this, Jacob was enraged when he learned that Laban had tricked him. The deceiver of Esau was now deceived himself. How natural it is for us to become upset at injustice done to us while closing our eyes to the injustices we do to others. Sin has a way of coming back to haunt us. Maybe today, like Jacob, you have done some things in your past, some things that you may not necessarily be proud of, some things that maybe you ran away from a long time, ago without dealing with first. Sometimes those things have a way of coming back to haunt us and coming back to bite us. And it's important that we deal with those things. As Jacob found himself in the same deception he used with his father and brother, it came back to him. But the good news is this, that we serve a God who is so gracious, who is so loving, and who is so forgiving. And all we need to do is come humbly before him repentant of our sins, because the Bible says that he is slow to anger, abounding in love. And he will forgive us when we truly ask him to. And so maybe this morning you need to ask God to help you to deal with things from your past so that they don't come back around and, and get you. But there are many lessons that we learn from Jacob's experience. Number one, you need to help contribute to your household, especially if you're living there for free. Number two, don't expect freebies, discounts, or favors from people just because you're related or you're friends. And number three, honor your agreement you make with someone and don't try to trick them into agreeing with something for your own benefit. Amen. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you indeed for the many lessons, and these are just some of them that we can learn from the life of Jacob. And we pray that, God, you would help us to use wisdom, to have knowledge and understanding in all that we do. We pray that you would help us to be fair to other people, that you would help us, God, to exercise wisdom, and that, Lord, you would continue to bless us and provide for our needs. And so, God, we thank you for the things that we can learn from Jacob, and we pray that you would help us. Lord, there may be people here today who have done things that they have not dealt with, and I pray that you would stir up in their hearts that desire to come humbly before you and confess it, O oh God, and to ask for forgiveness. But Lord, we are grateful that we serve a God who is more than willing to forgive us. And so we commit each need, we commit each prayer into your hands, and we thank you, O oh God, that at the end of the day, with you in our lives and you at the center, we can truly say, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.